Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Hello, My Name Is, Part 1, Rise Above the Names, recorded Sunday, August 6th, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dan with today's message. Well, have you ever been to one of those uh, gatherings where uh, you're given a tag like this and, and you have to put that on and... Uh, how many of you like it when you're given one of these? By show of hand, how many of you like it? A few of you, right? People who don't want to actually have to introduce yourselves to each other. You, you like these tags. Uh, what I don't like is when I go to some kind of a meeting or gathering and they have someone with a clipboard and they're writing the name for you. It's always going to be better handwriting than my own. I recognize that. But what it's not going to be too often is correct right? I don't know if I mumble when I say my name or what takes place, but, uh, you know, like it's a pretty simple name. It's three letters, one vowel. Uh, There's no, like, alternative spelling that I use. It's just D-A-N. But over the years, I've been called things like Ben and Aiden and Dean. Uh, Once I got called Fan, P-H, it happened. Uh, Most often, though, people hear it. Maybe it's on the phone, and they say, okay, Stan. I'm like, I'm not Stan. It's Dan, so I have to spell it, and, you know, it just gets confusing. Or maybe it's happened to you where you make a reservation at a restaurant, and you show up, and, you know, it's something completely different than what you thought you said. Or you order your favorite drink from Starbucks, and, you know, they write the wrong name on there. And, uh, you know, there's people who believe that they actually do that on purpose, because they get thousands and thousands of hits on social media. Like, I'm going to spell your name relatively simple, uh, but I'm going to spell it horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, And so I've decided I'm going to start fighting fire with fire. And so I don't even make reservations anymore, and I don't even order coffee drinks. I just show up, and when they say a name that's relatively close to mine, I'm taking that thing, right? Like, I'm I'm just taking that drink. I don't do that. And, and you should not either, okay? So please, please don't do that. Um, especially if you have a Love Unlimited sticker on your car, okay? <laughs> don't do those things. Our names and how they come to be, it can be kind of a funny thing. My wife, Angela, and I, we've been blessed through adoption two times. And the first time, we didn't even know we were signed up for adoption because we weren't signed up for adoption. We had had an informational meeting with an agency, but we were still praying through whether this was the route we were going to take as a family, to build a family. And so uh, we had just moved from Grand Island to Lincoln, and we were both days into new jobs. And I'm sitting in my office in the dingy basement of our duplex that did not allow children, and the phone rang. And so I reach and I pick up the phone thinking, all right, we're getting going on this new ministry. What's taking place? And I kind of recognize the voice on the other end of the line, and it's the lady that we had sat down with. And she said, hi, Dan. Uh, I know you guys haven't quite signed up yet. We had done nothing, okay? I know you haven't signed up or made all the decisions about adoption, but I sent your information to one of our sister agencies in Oklahoma. And there's a two-week-old baby girl that needs a mom and dad. 
And I need to know right now whether you will be her parents. And I said, um. Uh, <laughs> and then I thought, and I said, can I, can I talk to my wife? And she said, yeah, that'd be great. Um, it might have been a test, right? <laughs> like, just make sure this guy doesn't unilaterally decide we're bringing a kid home. And, uh, and so I, I hang up the phone, and I pick up the phone, and I call my wife at work, and I know that I should have driven there, okay? We've had the conversation many, many times. That's probably beyond a phone call. And so she picks up the phone. She's teaching a bunch of kids, and uh, I said, hey, I need to ask you a question. Uh, are you ready to be a mom? And so within a two- or three-minute conversation, we committed to being parents. And so I called the lady back, and I said, we're in. And I wasn't prepared for the follow-up question when she said, okay, what's her name? Uh, she said, we, uh, we need to know because we got to get this paperwork going because we want her in your home as soon as possible. And so there has to be a new birth certificate, and there has to be adoption paperwork, and it's between two states. And so we're going to have to send stuff back and forth from judge to judge and make sure that we get all the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted. And so I said, can I talk to my wife? <laughs> and she said, how about we talk about this one when I get home? And so uh, she came home early that, early that day, and after a few hours of conversation about a topic we've never thought about, we come up with the name Lindsay Jane Walter. Now, the Walter part, I chose that. You know, it was, <laughs> it was pretty easy. Uh, the Jane part was pretty simple because that was Angela's mom's name. But to this day, I cannot tell you how we chose the name Lindsay. It just sounded good. And so we chose that name, and we spelled it with an A at the end rather than an E, probably because I did not know that anyone spelled it with an E. See, typically parents find out they're going to be parents, and it starts the several day or week or month-long process of choosing a name. You, uh, uh, maybe you honor an ancestor or one of your parents with a name, uh, or you're naming it after you or your spouse, uh, or you're looking through a book or a website of popular uh, unique names until one just seems to fit. And for some dads, it's all about making sure that their kid will not be bullied, you know, by twisting that name a little bit. Uh, and so they, they, they nix some names, and they say it's not going to be that one. It's not going to be that one. But for some people, it's all about the meaning of the name. And we don't do this as much as maybe uh, people have done in history, but sometimes it is about that. Well, growing up, uh, the fourth of four boys... I had people in my life, mostly my three other older brothers, who told me that my name came to be because my parents just desperately wanted a girl after three boys. And so they chose the name Danielle. And uh, when I came out in all my boyness, they just changed the spelling and the pronunciation just a little bit. And I realized that I had never really asked about that. And so I called my mom this week and I asked her for the, for the origin story of my name. And what she said was, uh, uh, Daniel's just always been my favorite name. And I was just waiting for my favorite child. <laughs> That's how I heard the second part anyway. And, and I hope my brothers are joining us online today so that uh, 
they get the rest of the story. All of us have a given name, and uh, it's not something that we had a whole lot of choice in the matter. You were born, and someone wrote a name on a birth certificate, and that's what it was. But it doesn't stop there. Over time, we take on all kinds of other names. There's titles and descriptors of what we do. At some point, you had a parent or a coach or uh, a teacher or uh, someone who really cared about you, who was encouraging you and, and pushing you to decide what you wanted to do for the rest of your life. And so you've added some titles to who you are. You've added some descriptors, things like PhD or teacher, machinist, salesperson, coach, doctor, teacher, CEO, mom. You've added these things and they've, they've come to become uh, uh, something that says something about you. You've worked your whole life to build your brand and you've been grinding for years maybe to be the best at what you do. Uh, and somewhere along the, way, along the way, your job or your title or, or the letters before or after your name, they kind of became your identity. Then there's other names, nicknames and descriptors that get linked to us. And a bunch of those are fun and good names, right? Like anytime I meet a guy named Buster or Mac, I want to know the origin behind that nickname. Uh, I was thinking about some famous nicknames this week, and we were talking about it with some of the staff and seeing which ones I could use today and which ones I shouldn't use. And I was encouraged to just make sure that I go multi-generational so that someone doesn't feel left out. And so we're going to put some nicknames up on the screen, and I just want you like a little crowd participation. Just if you know it, shout it back. Uh, there's going to be 10 plus a bonus question. Uh, and, and so I want you to keep track. Now, there's no prizes. Keep track of how many you get right out of 11. So first is the Gipper. Oh boy. Someone? Louder? Ronald Reagan. Thank you. Uh, I thought that one would be easy. This could be, this could be a long two minutes. Um, second is uh, the refrigerator. All right. Some of my older guys helped me out there, right? He was a defensive lineman for the Bears way back in the 80s or 90s. Uh, the Rock. All right, we brought the kids into the conversation, right? <laughs> Smoking Joe. Smoking Joe Frazier, the boxer. Uh, this one, if you get this one wrong, you can just check out. Yeah, uh, Air Jordan. Uh, prime time. Deion Sanders, hopefully 0-2 real soon, right? Uh, the king of pop. Michael Jackson. Biebs. Yeah, I see some of the dads like... I have no idea. No idea who that is. Uh, here's one for a few of you. Old Blue Eyes. Frank Sinatra. And then finally, Johnny the Jet. Rogers, right? You better know that one if you're going to be here. And bonus question. Uh, it was not going to be up there, but the Oracle of Omaha. Warren Buffett. All right. We know people a ton of the time because of some nickname. And if you've had a nickname in your life that's a good one, and you want to share it, would you just take 10 seconds and share it with the person next to you right now? (laughs) 
Okay, I feel like you're divulging some new information. Uh, and maybe you've been married for 20 or 30 years and you've never shared this before. And be prepared because it will come up later. Uh, I met one person in between services who's, uh, they have nicknames for each other. Uh, the nickname for him is Starch. Uh, and I'm not going to share the nickname for her, okay? Uh, but uh, we have these nicknames and, and they can be a lot of fun. The only one that's ever stuck in my life was the name Wawa. And you are not allowed to use it. Uh, it's just what I was called when I was younger. And I think there were two reasons. One, Barbara Walters was at the height of her fame. And people would call her uh, Wawa. I don't know why, but that's what they would call her, at least the people that I hung out with when we were watching the news together, I guess. Uh, but the second one is people in my life, people in my high school, uh, coaches and teachers, honestly didn't know whether there was an S on the end of my last name. Uh, it's Walter. There is no S. I've never been offended. If you've called me Dan Walters, it's fine. But people started calling me Wawa because I think they just didn't know. Sometimes our nicknames are full of fun origin stories. But the problem is that not all of the nicknames we take on ourselves are positive. If you're human, people have said things either to you or about you behind your back. Words that talk about your shape or your size, words that remind you of an embarrassing moment of failure, uh, nicknames that attack your intellect or your inabilities, painful words that a parent or a sibling or someone who you thought was a dear friend said out of anger or frustration, and you heard them, and they stuck. I'm not going to say those words out loud today because you know what they are. You know what those words are that have kind of just held you back or have had you whispering things to yourself or the people around you that simply aren't true at your core. You know, as kids, we were taught this phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. And we can repeat that selves to our, ourselves or our kids all day long but it's simply not true. I think you would agree with that. Those, those words, they do have a way of getting in there and hurting. Bob Goff said that when we're most vulnerable, we sometimes latch onto the worst labels and carry them with us wherever we go. And these are most often names we give ourselves through our pain. For some of us, it's self-effacing self names we gave ourselves about our weight or our intelligence and for others, it's about where we lived or how much money our parents had or did not have. And so many of us were labeled by whatever it was that made us stand out. And the label stuck to us like duct tape and continues to define us today. And that hurt, it doesn't just come from other people. Like way too often, that hurt comes from ourselves. There's nobody more skilled at cutting ourselves down than ourselves way too often. And I want you to understand this today. We are in this together, you and me. We're pretty good at taking uh, the least favorite things about ourselves and writing them down on a sticker for ourselves and other people to see. See, I have this ability to take things. It's not always negative. Uh, but I can take positive things about me and find a way to make them negative. And I'll give you an example from my own life, and this is something that I've worked through and continue to work through 
uh, in some counseling and also with a coach that has been working with me lately. I, I take a couple of things that are really good about myself. I, I'm fun, right? Like I'm fun to be around. Some of you haven't experienced that, but I'm kind of fun to be around. <laughs> and the second one is I can be funny, right? Like I don't tell jokes. I'm just situationally funny. Uh, and sometimes it's sarcasm and sometimes it's just quick-wittedness. But I can be funny. I take those two things that people love about me and they're good things and through some highly refined like ninja skills mentally, I turn them in, into something worse. And I say this phrase to myself, people only like to have me around because I'm fun and funny. Isn't it interesting how our brains can take things that uh, are both negative and positive and turn those into little clubs that we beat ourselves up with? See, this is part of what Scott referred to a few weeks ago as the bully in your brain. And that bully can grab a hold of information, both positive and negative, true and untrue, and whisper things to you that contain maybe a little bit of truth or none at all, and it impacts how you see yourself. And if the bully in the brain can get you to believe things about yourself that are lesser than how God sees you or how he's made you, he traps you. The bully traps you into living a life that is lesser than what it could be. And over the next few weeks, our desire is that we would be able to remove those stickers, remove those names that we've come to believe, and instead replace them with God's truth for our lives. And I honestly can't think of a better way to start this process than to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 19. For a lot of you, this is a story that's super familiar. It might be the first story that you read as a child in, in your children's picture Bible. Uh, or it might be one of the first songs that you ever learned. And we together sang Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And so it's the story that if we're not careful, we won't really dive into. Uh, but for some of you, this might be the first time you've ever heard it. It might be your first time in a church or in this church. And I want to promise you that if we will allow it to, this story can show us how Jesus stepped into Zacchaeus' life, but it also can show us how he wants to step into our lives, who we are and who we aren't, and more importantly, most importantly, who Jesus sees us as. And if we allow it to, it shows us how he steps into our story and can change us. And so Luke sets up the story in the first few sentences. He says, Jacob entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. So here's who's present in that story that day. There's a crowd of people that have varying degrees of desire to encounter Jesus. Maybe they've heard some stories and that he's a pretty good teacher and that he's saying some things different than other rabbis have said. And so they want to hear that. Probably more of them had heard about some miracles and they just want to experience seeing that or having it happen in their own life. And so they're there for that reason. But I think more than anything, they're there because they want to know whether this new rabbi is for the Israelite people. And if he's for the Israelite people in their minds, that means he has to be against some other people. 
What the crowd had in common for sure was their hatred for a man named Zacchaeus, a man who was born to a Jewish family but who would be seen as a traitor because of his chosen profession. And I want to make this really clear. Sometimes we read this passage and we, when we start inserting things like IRS agent or county assessor, and we start to think it's evil, right? And it's a far different job than what those people who do honest work have today. Uh, Zacchaeus was not uh, the same as these people of our day. And so please don't confuse those two things. See, the name of the game for Zacchaeus and others like him was cheating and corruption. The way the system worked is uh, the fair tax would be owed to the Roman government. And if tax collectors wanted to make a living, they had to cheat. They had to charge people more, and they had to find more things to tax. And if they were to make that living, it was because of their willingness to bend the rules and demand more than what was fair. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. See, he was an upper management of a cheating, corrupt pyramid scheme. And his decision to serve the Roman government, it came with some ramifications in his own life. It likely ended any friendships, family connections, and would have resulted in his rabbi excommunicating him from worship. And people would have known his name. Zacchaeus literally means pure and innocent. And I'm certain that people had plenty of nicknames for Zacchaeus because in their minds he was anything but pure. And he was anything but innocent. No matter how vile and hurtful the words and nicknames for Zacchaeus were, I can promise you they likely didn't compare to the words and nicknames he had for himself. It's likely that nobody hated Zacchaeus more than Zacchaeus. And finally in the scene is Jesus. It's the final week of his life before he goes to the cross. And so I can't imagine that he was in a mode of spending time on things or people that didn't matter deeply to him. And Jesus had a way of seeing through a crowd of people who were there for all kinds of ulterior motives just to see a show and seeing right into the eyes of the person who is desperate for life change. So we read on in verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name Zacchaeus, pure and innocent. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. Probably his first house guest in quite some time that wasn't another tax collector. But the people weren't happy. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and he said this. He said, I'll give half of my wealth away to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Please don't miss this. Zacchaeus, a, a man who grew up being taught the Old Testament, he's getting it right. He, he is meeting the Old Testament standards for making your wrongs right. He's giving, away, he's, he's giving back four times 
What should have been ringing out in the minds of the people, and especially the rabbis, there was Exodus chapter 22 that instructs the people what to do if you are to steal something from someone. But he even goes further in that, his commitment to give half of what he, what he has to the poor tells you that probably the teaching of Jesus had sunk deep into his heart, and he was going above and beyond what was expected. See, the crowd, they had an opportunity. Instead of shouting condemnation and reminders of his past mistake, they could have welcomed home a prodigal son. But Jesus doesn't, and Jesus never does miss out on that opportunity. What we read next is that Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And it's like he just starts removing name tags from Zacchaeus' shirt. He starts taking those things that he's been called by others and by himself, and he's just ripping them off. And he's saying, pure and innocent, you are a true son of Abraham. You belong You are who you were created to be. He's returning him to his true identity. But I wonder if Zacchaeus was maybe clutching to some of those name tags because the longer we wear them, the more comfortable we become with them. And change is hard. And so we keep some of those on. And Zacchaeus would have wanted to keep some of those on and kind of take on the the mentality of Popeye. I am what I am, and that's all that I am. But Jesus goes deeper into his life. And he does something really important there. He reminds Zacchaeus of who Jesus is. Jesus reminds Zacchaeus and us of who Jesus is. Now he reminds him and us of perhaps his favorite nickname for himself. As I read through the Gospels, there's some names of Jesus that kind of rise to the top for me. I love Prince of Peace. I love the Messiah, which means God with us, a Savior, great physician. And if I were Jesus, I think just put on the name tag, the Christ, would ring pretty impressive. But he uses this one that at first look looks a little lesser. Uh, And he says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who were lost. What Jesus is doing here for Zacchaeus, for himself, and for the crowd is reminding everyone of his life mission. He's here for people who have been labeled something that they're not. He's here for people who have put on name tags that don't really represent who they were created to be. And what he says in this term, son of man, everyone there would have remembered from their schooling, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel has this dream of these four beasts. These beasts that no one could control, that no one could defeat. But in his vision, Jesus, the Son of Man, emerges. And because of the Son of Man, these beasts, they lost their power, they lost their life, they lost their influence. And it says this in Daniel 7 about Jesus. It says, He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so the people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. It will never end. And his kingdom will never be destroyed. And I think what Jesus wants Zacchaeus and you and me 
to see and, and know from this if he can handle the four baddest beasts of all time. If he can handle sitting on a throne, ruling over a kingdom 24-7 for all of eternity, he can handle your past. He can handle those words that have held you back. There is no name tag that's so sticky that he can't help you peel it off. But that's a choice that we make. It's a choice that we make whether we will be identified by all that other junk or whether we will be willing to take that name tag that just says, child of the king. We'll be willing to put that on and recognize that because of who he is, we're something better. We're something better. Something better than the name that was given to us. We're something better than the titles that we've amassed. We're something better than some nickname, whether positive or negative, that's been laid on us. Because of what Jesus did on a cross for us. Pouring out his blood. Giving up his body. As 1 John says, so that we would be called the children of God. That's who he is, and it's who we are in him. So God, we thank you for a moment where together we celebrate communion. We take a piece of bread that represents the body of Jesus. And we take a cup of juice reminding us of his blood. And in a holy moment, we're reminded that because of who he is, we know who we can be. We give you this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. In one of his letters, Paul writes to the church, and he lists this whole list of attributes and sins and things that we get stuck in. And he says, and that is what some of you were. But it's not who you have to be going forward. Next week, we're going to dive a little deeper into those specific things that God has to say about who we are in Christ. But we feel like we need to do a little business before we do that. And so this morning, uh, along the stage, we have four, hello, my name is boards. And in the back of the room, we have a couple as well. And uh, online, maybe you can just jot it on a piece of paper, or type it in the comments. We want to give you the opportunity this morning to, uh, to come forward during these next couple of songs and just write, what's that word that you need to leave behind? What's that descriptor, that nickname, whatever it is that you just need to say no more? Because unless we rid ourselves of those things, it makes it that much more difficult to take hold of who he says you are. I hope you'll join us next week as we dive into that. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. 
Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.